you just tuned into the hippest way to start and grow your indie author career, learn the ins, the outs, and all the all-arounds of self-publishing with the team from D2D and their industry-influencing guests. You're listening to Self-Publishing Insiders with Draft2Digital. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another Self-Publishing Insiders from Draft2Digital. Uh, welcome to the new year. I think we've actually had a, we did have a podcast or a live stream uh, earlier in the year. So I guess uh, I already did the whole welcome thing, but hey, welcome anyway. So now two people you haven't been able to say hello to from the d d team are uh, Nick Thacker and Mark Leslie Lefebvre. Uh Hey guys, welcome. Welcome to 2022. Well, thank you. I didn't feel like it was 2022 yet until Kevin Tumlinson welcomed me into it. So now I can breathe. I held, now we're I held back. Now we're yeah. here. <laughs> Thanks for waking me up to join. Uh, wow, twenty days in already. Where have I been? I know. I have. I've been uh, kind of counting back. You know, we're de- we're dealing with a lot of house related stuff. Uh, my time disappears. Uh, basically, I wake up in the morning, and uh, just about the time I have uh, finished, you know, logging in, it's time for me to go to bed. Uh, so that's the kind of days I've been having. Um, but 2022, so, you know, we are, one thing that we should tell people, I uh, haven't uh, done anything around this yet, but uh, this is actually DDD's uh, birth year, or birthday year, 10-year um, year birthday. Uh, I'll get it right, 10-year anniversary as of uh, 2022. So we're going to be doing some things around that uh, coming uh, coming up over the next month or so. Uh, but that's pretty exciting, but that's the past. What we're here to talk about right now are trends for the future, uh, for the self-publishing industry. And Nick, you had actually suggested this topic because you found a couple of blog posts. Um, and, uh, you know, we can definitely go through some of what's in there. Mark was a contributor to one of those. So, uh, we're going to expect him to answer all the questions by himself. (laughs) I recommended Uh, it because I love talking about the future because nobody can tell me I'm wrong. True. And not immediately. Yeah. Exactly. But by that time, you know, as enough time has passed, they've forgotten that I, that I lied to them 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, so no one right. can call me out on the, on my predictions, jetpacks and flying cars for all. Right. Well, just, just so uh, everyone's clear, feel free to ask us anything during this entire broadcast. If you're listening to us in the podcast, or you can still ask us questions uh, wherever you found this episode, Facebook, YouTube, podcast uh, player of your choice, or right there on the draft to digital blog at draft to digital.com. Uh, so ask us anything. We'll answer everything we can as we can. And uh, let's jump into it. Um, so Nick, since you, uh, since you were the one who talked me into this one, um, why don't you start? Like, what's first of all, what was this article you found? You want to talk about that for a minute? Uh, yeah. So this was an article that um, I covered on another podcast that that I'm on, and I saw a, a name here that I recognize, and it was Mark Leslie Lefave. And I thought, well, well, dang it, I know that guy, and I bet we could probably have a good conversation with old Kevin Tumlinson about the future of publishing, specifically self-publishing, but generally publishing trends. Right, is what this article is is, is titled. It's over on Written Word Media, who are the friendly folks behind. Um, I, uh, well, now I'm drawing a blank. Is there, they're the free booksy and bargain booksy, bargain books, yes, um, which I, I know and love. But they've got a a list of eight things here that they say are are the top trends for 2022. We can go through those one at a time if we want. We can talk about random stuff. The, I, I just wanted to start with a question for you, Mark. Um, 
and I don't want this to sound defensive at all because it's not. I'm just really curious. I'm reading this article and I've read it a few times now and there's there's not really any data in it. Um, these are these are the opinions of like you and Brian Cohen and all that. I'm curious, is, is there somewhere we can find the data on this stuff? Like, is there somewhere that says, hey, uh, like, for example, direct sales are going to grow is the first thing. Where, uh, where does it? Because I want to read that. I want to see where, where it says. Well, I, I point to our, our beautiful colleague, Kevin Tomlinson, for that, because we had shared uh, 2021 sales data from draft to digital and shared some of the pieces. And we're going to be continuing to do that as we want to empower authors with information so they can understand and analyze these trends better. So some of the data, so just, just so you know how this works is, um, uh, I'm trying to remember if it was Clayton or who it was at Written Word Media who had reached out and said, hey, would you like to comment on this? I ended up writing a 2,000 word essay on what thought were the future, <laughs> as, as Mark my does, future thoughts on publishing, knowing that he was just going to extract bits and pieces because I kind of had to walk through it. And when I was doing that, I was looking at some of our sales history uh, to get that. Now, so the data on direct sales is a difficult one to measure because there's, and this is the, the problem we have when we look at ebook sales and the growth of ebooks compared to print books and all that, is there's no real systems that cross compare. But uh, the Six Figure Author podcast, recent episode, Katie Cross talked about uh, the yep, growth. Yeah. And through my own experience working with Joanna Penn on the Relaxed Author in 2021, I saw evidence that, holy crap, that uh, the direct sales, uh, we did well uh, on all the platforms with uh, all, the, all the regular usual suspects, but the direct sales on the Relaxed Author were amazing. Now, Joe has been building this. And Joe is, I always look to Joanna Penn for future things. She's always five to 10 years ahead of the rest of us. Sure. And she's been talking about that for a while. And it was only when I partnered with her and I actually got a taste of what, how big the direct sales could be, I realized that there are opportunities that we've been ignoring. So one of the things we've done, just to, to, to give people uh, a tip, is on, on Books to Read, the free tool where you can do universal book links, we've always had a pay hip um, <clears throat> link. So authors who are selling direct, you know, pay hip, usually pay hip and book funnel, you kind of merge them right. and then everything's taken care of for you, the credit card processing and the delivery and the customer service. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a great tool. We are, uh, as we speak, rolling into production. Uh, you're hearing it here first, my friends. Uh, and this, again, is thanks to Joanna Penn, who uh, first reached out uh, amongst other authors to say, hey, I've got direct sales of my um, uh, audiobook. Well, audiobook through uh, Find Away Voices Authors Direct, you could always do. But she also had other ways to sell audiobook links and direct print book links. And so right. uh, through PayHip right now, because it's, it's a slow building process, is that our, our devs are working hard at it. Um, you'll be able to add a PayHip link for audio, PayHip link for ebook, and a PayHip link for any of the formats or all of the formats uh, for print. Uh, and that's, again, we're doing this work in recognition of the fact that we're seeing more authors taking control. Uh, because what's the one thing we always tell authors to do? get a newsletter. I think Nick, you know a little bit about how I've to do this that before. Yeah. people with it. I know there's a there's a maybe even a book coming out sometime in 2022 about that that you can tell Let's us. Let's just say it's coming out this decade. <clears throat> this <laughs> decade is coming out. Okay, I'm going to push you for 2022, but yes. When you're in control of communicating with your readers, uh you can uh not rely on the retailers and and the libraries and all the other systems. You can actually be in contact with them. So when you're in contact with them, there's an opportunity for them to want to support you directly. And, and we are seeing trends across the industry. There's just no single source of data that can Absolutely. show that because we're all indie, right? 
Well, that's the thing. It's self-reported a lot of times. So even if we did get data, it's not necessarily trustworthy. Not that people are lying, but it's hard to tell. Um, I listened to that Katie Cross podcast. She was also on the other Joe, Joe Solari. Uh, she was on his show um, and she did a fantastic job there as well. And you know what I'm gleaning from this, uh, which does jive with my own experience uh, coming from music many, many years, many, many years ago. Uh, don't go searching Spotify, folks. I'm, I'm warning you. Um, to, to now, where the publishing industry tends to follow about five to ten years behind, is that you know the technology to do this has existed in different. We can duct tape together WooCommerce or what you know Katie's using Shopify, yeah. and then like Lulu Press has a a plugin for Shopify. We can do all that. Draft to digital makes it so much easier and under one roof, which is good because it gives us the control without the additional headache. Um, but what we're seeing is is not that the technology is finally here. It's that authors can finally do it easily. And it's worth setting that up so that we can train our readers in a sense to buy directly from us. Um, because right now it's easy to buy from Amazon because everyone uses Amazon and we know how to do that. Um, if you can start getting that mailing list of yours to go to your website and buy something from you, even if it's just, you know, here's something for free, but I want you to go through the checkout process. Yeah. Then you get the data in there and they have an account now on your website and it just makes things easier uh, in the future. And that's the trend that I'm seeing for sure is a lot more authors are, are becoming more comfortable setting that stuff up. Yeah. What, and what I think uh, there's going to be a need then um, as we go forward, somebody's going to have to come up with a, a means of uh, aggregating reports about sales that are purely direct. And that's a, right now it's a sort of like, I've got no clue what that's going to look like. It's, it seems like it might have to be voluntary in some way, probably inaccurate. Um, but somebody's going to have to crack that nut and figure out, you know, how do we monitor and measure sales on those platforms? Because where that becomes important is, um, you know, there are other opportunities that come to authors because of being on these other platforms. For example, you know, if I'm hitting number one on, Amazon and uh, Apple and Barnes and Noble and across the board. Um, and maybe I'm on a, a more national list or something as well. Um, that gets attention. That gets people, first of all, it aids in discoverability. Second of all, it might get the attention of somebody who wants to leverage your IP for something else, like a Netflix series or, you know, a movie or something along those lines, or maybe they just want to get your foreign distribution rights. So um, we're eventually Somebody's going to have to crack. How do we aggregate data from the direct sales in order to benefit the author market? Do either of you have a solution to that already? I think we need to get a big shared spreadsheet or Google sheet and just every single indie author just puts their sales on it every month. Yep. No way that could go wrong. No way that can go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, so ScribeCount added, uh, added, uh, I guess I'm a subscriber to that. So they aggregate my draft to digital sales, sales from the various direct platforms that I'm on, and they all come into a central repository. They built the ability to show, like, you can manually input or enter your direct sales. So uh, again, there's still some platforms that, that, that they're not reporting on, and yeah. none of my traditional sales are there. So I'm waiting for the ability to use that tool to save me the time. Now, again, ScribeCount does not collect the data, does not store the data. So they don't have the means right. uh, based on their terms of, of use. They don't have the means to actually report on that. But that's something that I think could be done maybe with a, an author saying, I'm I'm allowing you to share right. yeah, as part in. of an aggregate what yeah. the direct sales of my books are compared to the percentage of the other platforms. So you can blend it and share it. I would be willing to participate as an author 
because I love, I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, you know, I'm getting stuff ready for my accountant from the end of the year. I love just pulling a report from scribe count, but now I still have to go and add a whole bunch of other things. I want to be yeah. able to have all those things there because they make a nice pretty chart for me. Well, now, from like what I've chart. seen, uh, the, he does have the, he's added the ability. And by the way, shout out to Randy. Hi there. Uh, he has added the ability to add outside sources, right? Oh yeah. You can add, uh, yeah. you can add sales from other sources, okay. but the challenge I'm running into right now is, they have to pull my titles from Amazon, Kobo, draft to digital okay. Apple, Nook, any of the places they pull from. My yeah. traditionally published titles are not in those platforms. <laughs> so any right. sales I had, or even, for example, with the relaxed author, that's in Joanna Penn's uh, draft to digital uh, bucket. And so it's not in my uh, account. So that title doesn't oh, appear. Wow. So I couldn't even put in, I could manually put in my direct sales. I could in put in sales that we received from uh, Story Bundle, for example, or any of the other. Uh, places that are outside the you know the regular suspects but that's something that i know they they're, they're and they're working on i keep i keep uh, poking randall about hey i want to be able to add my trad pub in there so i can get a real percentage of you know what percentage is this for for yeah. me in business yeah um before we go too much further we've got we've had a couple of questions pop in so let's let's get those and by the way shout out to the stream yard folks i this first time I've actually used it. It's been around for a while, but now I can actually tag the uh, comments. That's pretty star handy. them for, for later star them. Uh, so this one comes from some guy named Kevin Eikenberry. Um, oh, we I'm can sure probably just ignore that then <laughs> <laughs> move on. It's not gonna... <laughs> hey, Kevin. Uh, so regarding direct sales versus platforms, did you offer uh, another version of the book to differentiate it from the platform choices or was it the same book just offered directly? I can say that on my part, it's the same book. Yeah. It's, I just treat it as another storefront. What about you guys? Same here. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, 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 uh, well, go sorry, ahead. Sorry, Mark. I was going to say I'm exclusive to KU for a lot of my eBooks, not all of them. Um, so I can't do this, obviously, because I'll be in breach of their terms of service. So in that case, um, you know, Kevin and I have talked about this too, of doing like a special edition version. It has to be substantively different, of course, and all that, but that's down the road. I'm, I'm not even sure if that, yeah. that would work. So. And yeah, even then, we doing... should caveat by saying it's probably iffy whether or not that would violate t the Amazon. <laughs> I do live life on the edge. That's true. Yeah. Don't have to be really, ahead, Mark. really, really like me. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you, man. No, no, no. I was just saying that I have plans to do that this year with, uh, with a box set where I'm going to include something in the box set that you can only get in the box that you can't buy separately. But I thought, well, for my fans who already have all the books and don't want the box set, I'll give them the opportunity to buy it directly from me. So it's yeah. it's available in the box set exclusively, or exclusively yeah. unless you've already bought all the books. And I don't want them to have to spend more money. So that's where I'll say, well, okay, so you can buy it from me directly, and it's probably going to be way cheaper anyways because I get to pocket ninety five percent of it, not seventy or sixty percent or whatever. So right. I'll be leveraging that a lot more going forward, especially based on my experiences from last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of ways to experiment with this, and I, I kind of like. Um, you know, Nick and I have been talking about ways to, you know, I am wide on everything now. Uh, it wasn't always, but I am now. And, uh, you know, what, what are ways to entice people to, uh, go to various platforms where you might have another advantage. And I think Kevin's kind of hinting at one of those ways is to write a, or create a, a substantially different version of the book. Maybe that's bonus content, you know? Uh, Nick and I have talked about re doing some releases of the same book, but it's got, you know, a novella in the back. 
Um, not in the way that, uh, so some folks were using that to game the page read system uh, on KDP Select. Don't do that. That's a bad plan. But uh, offering a, a different version of the book and bundling something in with it, there's nothing wrong with that as long as, as long as people know that's what they're getting. So um, here's another question coming in from YouTube this time. Guy on the road asks, on behalf of DDD authors in Europe, can I ask when we can hope to be able to buy author copies? At present, author copies are only available in the U.S. and Canada. It's a big issue for us here. So he's, uh, you're absolutely right. So Mark, you actually, I think, have some insight into this, don't you? Yeah. So our, our team is working really, really hard with our print partner who does have the ability to deliver uh, locally sourced and printed books in Europe and other uh, continents. Uh, that is uh, that is a, a priority of our dev team, and they're working really, really hard on it. So Guy in the Road, stay tuned. In the next little while, and I use air quotes when I say that, you'll see that. And that's one of the one of the reasons we've been keeping D2D print in beta is we know it's not yet for everyone properly. We were really upset at the ridiculous shipping costs of printing in Tennessee and shipping it to uh, New Zealand or somewhere in Europe. That was just ridiculous. Even as a Canadian, I'm used to ridiculous shipping costs from the US uh, to Canada, but that is coming and it is a priority uh, for our print on demand team as we continue to improve it. So uh, it is coming. We just want to make sure it's actually worthwhile and cost effective for you until we make it available. Otherwise, you'd be paying $100 for shipping, which is just unreasonable. To some of us. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> we had an, and, and that's an ongoing thing. We are always working behind the scenes to improve things just like that. You should know, because uh, we don't like that either. That's not a, that's not something um, D2D is uh, culpable for, really. I mean, we've, we've, we're trying to, all kinds of ways to figure that problem out. Uh, got another, a uh, question from Michelle D. Smith on Facebook asks, will draft a digital offer more creative ways to format my paperback book? Um, you know, we've actually, I don't know if you're, if you're, if this means you haven't seen them or maybe they're not enough, but the, uh, we have some very cool templates uh, for the, uh, the sort of layout of your book. Uh, one thing that we introduced recently is the poetry template. Uh, so you've got a little more functionality there and that's, that actually, uh, will allow you to format in stanzas where that was kind of an awkward thing before. Uh, but I say that to say this, we are again, working behind the scenes constantly to try to improve and update and add to all these various things. And we got a lot of stuff that's on the board. Um, so right now those, those templates and everything that are there, that's, that's our offering at the moment, but it, we do plan to add some things, uh, over time. And as we learn new stuff, we're always happy to update. So and, and we will have new new things like that. It's this is exactly why I love talking about the future kind of stuff. When we when when you all three of us at least got started, we had Microsoft Word or maybe yeah. Word Perfect. I don't even know how old you guys are, but you know whatever. Um, yeah, Word Perfect. Come on, <laughs> get, get basic or something, right? Um, that was it. It was not a purpose built thing. Now we've got multiple purpose built solutions for this very problem. I mean, we've got Vellum to compete with and we've got um, Atticus to compete with, which are both great in, in their own right. And that that's going to only be good for all three of these tools, uh, drafted digital print included. And so, right. um, yeah, it's just time will be, time, time will tell what those things will be, but there will be things. There will and be I saw uh, Michelle did a follow-up comment was, um, 
I'll have to check it out. I did the basic one originally and wasn't really happy with it. So Michelle, just to let you know, we have improved it significantly. Even that automated cover wrap, which used to be very non-adjustable, we've added the ability to change the font size, move things around, even add your own um, imprint uh, for the spine, for example, if you wanted to have that appear there. And that's yeah. based, Michelle, on requests from authors like you. So if you see something that you're not happy with and you, think, you say, I really wish I could do this, please email support at drafttodigital.com. We do pay attention. We do talk through these things and we do prioritize it if if these are requests that come in from our authors. So please ask which, which you're not seeing. Uh, please ask for what you're not seeing. Right. What was, What's the name? I can't, it's a colophon. Colophon, right? yeah. Colophon. Yeah. Yeah. Which reminds so, me, I'm 52. I've got to go get mine checked. Yes. Have your colophon checked regularly. Uh, a public health service from Draft Digital. Um, I'm glad to see questions coming in, so please keep them coming. Um, this one is from, and I, I, I apologize if I pronounce it wrong, Dorothy, but Dorothy Zimok. Zimok? Um, one of those two, I'm almost positive. So will D2D accept shorter paperback books in the future? She's probably like, no, it's Dorothy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's Smith. Yeah, come on, it's Dorothy. Um, That's how we pronounce it in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah shorter paperback books so the problem there is that's an actual limitation from the printer not from d to d um and you're going to find that 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 the uh, page length is um pretty much set you know across the board no matter where you go uh well most with one exception if i can interrupt kevin sure no interrupt that me. was uh, the current limit that we still have in place was based on the limit based on our first print partner Yes. Our new yes. print partner has a different limit, and I know that the dev team is looking into how to do that. So again, Dorothy, if you could please uh, email and say, hey, I've got a book that's this length. Would that be accepted? Because I'll be honest with you, if our partner can accept it, we are in the means of, of being able to adjust uh, and control it. Now, we do have to be very careful about how we open things up. So we want to make sure at the end of the day, our systems can provide the proper automated formatting to meet the quality of the of the design. So if we change the the limit, well, we can't go beyond uh, a certain page count because of the limits of that technology, but we can certainly go to uh, a smaller uh, size. And and I, I'd say, please request that so that we can, you know, help the dev team prioritize that. So how long have I been talking to myself? Well, I thought I was having a tech issue. I see Nick dropped off because he probably thought he was having a tech issue and no yep. one else is saying anything. So I'm like, I just can't hear Kevin. What's going on? <laughs> I saw it, it alerted me. My apologies. That's all on me. For some, somehow I got muted. But uh, yes, the the question was, will DDD add more markets for French language? The answer was, uh, we have added some recently. Uh, and of course, we are happy to add more as we come across them. If you know of some, please feel free to email us and let us know 
um, you know, about, about a particular market and we can always look into it, but, um, Oh, Nick has back joined us again. So welcome. So back. I, I go out to try to solve the problem. Then I hear, I, I find out it's Kevin causing the problem. Oh, it's, it's all me. It's, it's, I don't Kevin, know how that known. happened, but it happened. You should just know that it's me. <laughs> all right. Uh, sometimes we have that. when we're hanging out with Kevin in person, right? That's, Sometimes I, I, I well may be too. standing directly across from you and go mute. That happens yeah, in the real world too. Um, okay, so uh, moving on, guys. Thanks for calling me out. Um, so Alyssa wanted to pop in and say Colophon equals the publisher's mark. So we were right. Um, Get out of so here with your knowledge, Alyssa. You learn something new every day. <laughs> not, not, uh, not, not my publisher, but just the publisher mark, the, the term in general, not, not myself. Yes. Yes. Okay. So um, let me see. I'll scan real through. Oh, <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, everyone. In the old headphones were broken. Uh, if you take nothing from this show, folks, just know that it was Kevin's fault. Yep. 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 Sorry. Sound disappeared. You're all right. You're all right. I'm sorry. Um, so let's see. Uh, scanning back through. But anyway, so um, let's get back to a little bit of a look into the future. Um, you know, here's what's interesting. I, this is a great time of year for for sort of seeing the perspective of everyone else. And I've seen lots of blog posts. Uh, Christine Catherine Rush has written uh, quite a bit about her predictions. One thing that I am seeing, and I think this is true, uh, I, it's interesting because we've been saying, I know I've been saying this for years, but uh, I'm now starting to see some folks who have more of a traditional background start to say this stuff. But it's looking an awful lot like self-publishing is just going to be publishing. Like mm -hmm. publishing as we know it has been impacted so much by the self-publishing and indie publishing sphere um, that it has just taken over. I, I, I think that there's still room for traditional publishing out there, but I think it's going to become a different animal from what we've known in the past. Not the juggernaut that it's been uh, all these years. What do you guys think of that? Mark, you, you in particular have, a very specific uh, insight into this. What, what do you? Yeah, think? I mean, Mark's Mark's the publishing guy. Where's my hand? There we go. He, up here, this guy. <laughs> I moved. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've been I've been saying uh, this for for quite a few years, and I actually I don't think the big publishers are going to go away. Uh, we, we know, and we just saw some recent industry stats that you know sixty percent of people still read print books, and the majority of the print book market is owned by the traditional publishers because they have access to the old boys school of uh, supply chain and bookstores and things like that. We know it's changing. We saw that happen in the last two years where ebooks are growing. So the good news for indie authors is ebooks have nowhere to go but up because there's so much growth. Billions of people still haven't read an ebook yet. So there's all yeah. kinds of people. The market is not saturated. So that's the good news. But what I'm seeing is that the publishers, the self-publishers, the indie publishers, and Chris's article from just yesterday, I believe, it was part six of her look at the past year. She does a really good job of breaking it down. And I'm seeing the likes of uh, the publishers like Chris and Dean with WMG Publishing, who operate like a traditional publisher in certain senses. I've been paid by them to publish books through their imprint, like a traditional author, but they treat me with respect and kindness like a self-publisher, like an indie publisher. And so it's yeah. the best of both worlds. You see people like LMBPN Publishing, uh, Michael uh, Anderlight, and and the you know twenty books to fifty k movement, working yeah. collaboratively with authors. You have so many other authors that are doing that. You have Dakota Kraut as well. You have Kevin Anderson and Rebecca Mesta, where they have these small publishing companies. Even Curl Up Press with Joanna Penn, right? Where they start off as indie, 
they grow yeah. and they build and then they work collaboratively with other people to help them out. We, of course, have tools to help them uh, make that easier so they don't have to worry about the payments, etc. Yeah. But I honestly believe when you look at random Penguin Random House, when you look at those publishers, Random House started off with a couple friends that said we were just going to publish a few books on the side at random books we thought we would like to read. <laughs> and they mm -hmm. started off with the same passions that we indie authors have. Their yeah. love for story, their ability to say, hey, I can do this. I want to put these books in the world and make the world a better place. And that's what indie authors do. So we're leveraging technology in the last 10 years or so to build these little empires in a more mm -hmm. digital, more friendly way and, and actually reach more people than print could ever possibly reach. Yeah. So that, as Chris says, and as we've been talking about, the indie publishers of today are going to become the big publishers of tomorrow sitting right alongside those major conglomerates, but they don't have to have an office in New York. And, and just trivial fact, the reason the offices are in New York is because they all wanted to be there when the when the monthly uh, when the monthly stories from Dickens came in, because copyright laws were so lax back then that whoever got it first could just publish it without having to pay anyone. And so, I mean, it, ironically, they were all pirates. Uh, so that's how that's why they're all in New York publishing. So, but we don't have to have an office in New York. We can have the portable office from our laptop, as as Chris even talks about um, uh, in yes. that in that great article. Yeah, she quoted uh, she she quoted someone about an empire on your laptop. Uh, Scott. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, and I thought that was, that was a brilliant turn of phrase really, because that's really what is happening. Um, you know, even, you know, we have at draft to digital and we have an office space and we have, you know, uh, offices and multiple users and that sort of thing. Um, but when it really comes down to it, it's a digital space. It's, a, it's the office space is just sort of an artifact and the rest of the business is built in, the cloud as it were. Um, and there's no reason why, you know, we can grow exponentially uh, because of that. Uh, the same thing applies to the author. Um, you know, Nick and I talk about this stuff all the time, but you know, our business is built around like, you know, basically I, I write the book, I do my covers, I do my editing, I do my formatting, I upload, I distribute. I don't ever have to leave any given space I'm in. I don't even have to have a laptop. I've done that kind of thing from my phone. So um, it's a really interesting, uh, it's a really interesting turn of events for publishing that it sort of democratizes the whole thing. Um, Nick, so what are some other things we might be looking forward to trend-wise over, over 2022 and beyond? Well, um, one of the things that I, I saw on here, you know, I, we should probably just talk about it because everyone's always asking Let's. this question, but it's <laughs> NFT stuff. What is it? Is it something yeah. we need to focus on? Do we need to care as authors? Is it going to be part of our life? Um, I definitely want to hear your thoughts on it. My, my thoughts are very, um, maybe they're not simple, but um, we can get into what it is if we want to. But, you know, assuming you know what an NFT is, it's something I think of as similar to what the internet was in the early nineties, mid nineties, um, where it may not be quite as invasive as the internet is now, but NFTs, um, specifically the blockchain technology that these, these things operate on, um, is going to be the way things work in the future. Um, and what I mean by that is it essentially an NFT is a contract and it's a contract that, uh, is sort of self-regulatory. We don't need humans to go look at which side is upholding their end of the bargain or not, and then sue them and all that. So um, it's really cool in that way, because for example, we could sell a book, 
to somebody and say, you, you own this outright. You also have permission to resell this, even though it's my book and I wrote it, you can resell, you can own this and sell it. And that contract that, that NFT lives on um, will pay me 10% every time you want to just, every time it gets sold to somebody for whatever the price is that you determine. So that's just one example of many. So I think what we're going to see is, again, this is why I liken it to the internet of the nineties. Um, it was the wild, wild west. Everybody had a website. Very few people knew what to do with them. Uh, very few people, very, very few people figured out how to do things with them. I'm thinking pets.com, right? Early Toys R Us website debacle with Amazon. NFTs are the same way. They look crazy and weird and chaotic now. Give it 10 years. We're all of a sudden going to go, that's a really cool idea for an NFT. That makes perfect sense. So don't necessarily go out and get NFTs for all your books at this point is my advice. Yeah. But just pay attention. Just read some articles every few months and see where we're going with the technology because it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I, I have to say, I, I I feel like one direction for NFTs, <coughs> pardon me, as um, you know, one one service or set, setup or system in our world that is in desperate need of an overhaul is our is is copyright and intellectual property. And um, the potential that I see for NFTs is that that this is a way to overhaul that entire system and and maintain the ownership you know even to the point of it being part of the contract negotiations even if you're a traditional author um i could see you know this is how you let's just let's just put it out there there's been a whole if you're familiar with the hashtag disney must pay um there were several authors including one of my favorites alan dean foster uh when disney bought certain properties like star wars and the aliens franchise uh, bought fox and stuff like that uh there were authors who were writing books in those universes who suddenly weren't getting paid for sales of those books and you know the claim was that you know disney bought the property but not the liability um, and so that's been challenged again and again, and there's some headway being made there, <clears throat> but, you know, think about that in, uh, that in terms of something like an NFT, where if I create the book and I've contracted with you to distribute it, um, I can guarantee my share of that book, no matter who buys it later. And that's a way to safeguard my, my rights and my ownership. So that's one way that I could see NFTs working. I still, I'm still scared of it because I'm. Uh, a Gen Xer um, and and nearly fifty, so it scares me. Uh, but I, I'm interested in it, and I want to see more about it. Mark, did you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, I just uh, I'm excited about the possibilities that exist with NFTs, and in the same way that eBooks showed the world that a book does not have to be defined as 300 pages bound between two pieces of cloth. An EFT is going to be a tool that authors are going to be able to use, publishers, authors, actually consumers as well, to really exploit your IP well beyond just thinking about it as a book, as a as a bound thing. Because that's ebooks are made to look and feel as if like the experience of turning pages, etc. It takes us into a whole new realm where when you have an idea or a concept, it's not just the ability of tr the transactions. Uh, on top of that, you've got consumers who will be able to, uh, I bought the rights to have access to, but I don't want it anymore. So Nick, I'm just going to tap my phone against yours and transfer that. And I get a, uh, I get my share for selling a used product to you, but that can go back to the publisher and the author and everyone in the supply chain. So it's, it's kind of like, um, 
it really can uh, can help exploit IP in, in bold new ways, but it can exactly. allow more people access to a piece of the pie. And I love the ability to uh, to spread the wealth around. So again, I think it's going to be a disruptive thing for the industry. But if we pay attention to it and are open to it, we can ride that wave of disruption rather than be terrified by it. I think so. And you're kind of getting into one of the, um, it's sort of segues into one of the things that wasn't in this particular article, but that I've been harping on for a couple of years now that we we aren't, it's not really coming because I don't think anyone's actually doing this in, in our space, but what needs to happen. And that is, and I mentioned this earlier that I, I really do think the, uh, the, the self-publishing and, and largely the publishing industry follows uh, about five to 10 years behind the music industry. And we have proof of that with Apple coming out with iTunes and the ability to get artists. The artists could go, you know, all of a sudden you could stream their music, right? Well, that's, wow, that's crazy. That was 15 years ago now or 20 years ago now. And then we had Kindle do the same thing 10 years ago, right? So that's an example of this. And one of the things that I want to see that's happening now in the music space is the way that we're paying artists changing from a pool centric model. This is how Kindle Unlimited pays its artists right now, pays its authors. Uh, to a user-centric model. And a very quick example, I'm old. I'm an old white guy. I listen to one band all the time over and over again. That's all I ever listen to. So if I pay my $10 or whatever it is to Spotify, that $10 minus their fees should go to that one artist. Yeah, And, and it shouldn't go to anyone else because I don't listen to anyone else. Um, and and what, what's happening instead is we take my $10, your $10, Kevin's $10, it goes into the pool, and then we split it up based on whoever got listened to. Right. So it, it's subtly different, but yeah. it's drastically different when it comes to, to brass tax, when it comes to actually who gets paid. Um, Adele and Taylor Swift get a few million less. <clears throat> They're still going to yeah. be fine. Trust me. But yeah. but when you look at the graph, you know, instead of these guys up here and it just goes sharply down and then nobody gets paid, it's, it's going to even things out a lot. Right. Yeah. Um, if that happened in Kindle Unlimited, just for example, and there's other stores that are operating the same way for audio authors like me. I'm not an Adele or Taylor Swift in the author space, if anyone thinks I am. Um, you know, I'm doing okay, but I could be doing better. And this is one way for me to get paid more as an author, is a user-centric model. And the reason that's been given right now that it's too hard, um, you know, to do is it, it takes too much resource, too much computing power, things like that. You know, well, then, you know, that, that was the Spotify CEO said it's too hard. Well, then SoundCloud CEO said, we're doing it. We'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's one of the things that we can see in the future is is different ways to pay people um, for almost transactionally, you know, one to one. If I'm going to listen to this, you're going to get paid for it right away. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pop this one up instead of the one I had starred. But <laughs> no, that's um, good. I kind of breezed over that, right? Yeah, I, I, we did. So it's NFT. NFT stands for. It's a sport, isn't it? It's a sport that has a Super yeah. Bowl. And I love. I watch NFT every Sunday. Yep. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> it stands for non fungible token, and Which means it can't um, become a fungus. Right here, <laughs> I will read the Wikipedia definition of this: is a non fungible token is a non interchangeable unit of data stored on a blockchain and you can go google that one yourself uh it's a form of digital ledger uh, it says so it's uh, think of it like a, it's a a record book of sorts a digital record book of who has purchased this item that you created and in our case it might be a book but some people get nfts for artwork uh, you know graphics photographs uh things like that uh, but so, or and actually, a real popular one right now is people are getting NFTs of me popular memes. So if you if there's a meme you've seen online, someone probably owns the NFT of it now. 
Uh, and what it does is track the ownership of this thing as it, as it moves around out there. And then who gets, who's paid what, who gets what, um, it, it kind of keeps track of it for you. Nick, go ahead. Correct me on no, all no, no. that. It was good. It was good. The, the NFT is the thing that you're, that you're transacting. And the reason it's called non-fungible is it's not money. It's not, it's not interchangeable like cash. Right. Um, it's an object. It's it's a digital object in this case, but it's an object. If you know, I've had this gummy bear that I can sell to you. That's a thing. This isn't money, so it's non fungible, and you could call it a token if we're you know negotiating it. Yeah. What the NFT lives on is what I was talking about being the important part of the future, and that's the blockchain, which is the decentralized ledger, the 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 accounting uh, of who owns what and when and for how much. Now we can write a contract between the three of us right now, but we'll need lawyers to argue with other with your lawyers on, on who needs to pay each other what if we start arguing about it. Um, we need humans, we need more resources in order to make sure that these contracts are being adhered to. And if not, who owes what, when and how and all that stuff. And that takes time, money, energy. NFTs, specifically, again, on the blockchain and whatever blockchain that is, if it's, you know, uh, uh, Ethereum, which is a common one, um, you know, allows us to do these kind of transactions without needing those resources like humans you know, to, to get involved. So you and I can have a contract between each other and we don't have to worry that you're going to screw me over because the NFT, it's digital. It's whatever happens in that. And it doesn't happen. If something doesn't work the right way, then it's going to, you know, the contract will uh, see itself play out essentially is, is a good way to think of it. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of potential there to, uh, you know, particularly in our world, in the publishing world, there's a lot of potential there to use NFTs for um, all kinds of things that were problematic and expensive for authors in the past. Um, yeah, an example is digital rights management, right? Like right yeah. now we have DRM and I never turn it on because if someone wants to pirate my books, they can. They can take off the DRM with the software and it's not that hard. Yeah. Um, if yeah. you they can, it, not in go ahead, but they can, as in they're capable, of they're capable, it, whether it's you possible, put DRM right. or not. All, all DRM really is, is kind of an annoyance, you know, but it yeah. also implies that I don't actually own that content when I buy it. Um, with an NFT, you don't have to worry about DRM because the book lives with the contract. It's one and the same thing. And so if somebody purchases my book and that book is an NFT, I don't have to worry about DRM because that, that contract will make sure that I get paid yeah, you know, as long as it's sold the right way. And again, a, a piracy will still be a thing. I'm not saying that it's going to solve that problem, uh, but it does solve a lot of other problems that DRM brings in. And for example, yeah, yes. Okay, so we're getting close to wrapping up. Um, what's let's uh, hop into something that's not NFT. Um, <laughs> what are some other predictions we have? Um, you know, in 2022 is the is the year ahead, but even beyond, is there anything that we should be alert for? Well, I want to ask Mark about one, if that's okay. I'm okay with it. Book, book talk. <laughs> book talk. And, and largely TikTok. What, what do you think? What are your thoughts on TikTok? Is this something we need to get involved with, Mark? Because um, I, I may or may not have evidence that you are involved yeah. with book talk. That so, you have made um, videos of yourself. Yeah, like anything, like any social media or any first at the gate of the one percenters who get there early, Yes, it can be a beautiful thing. I think I think people are hyping it up as a magic bullet, and that disturbs me more than anything. There are no magic bullets. There's nothing but a lot of hard work, dedication, persistence, and keeping at it. So Book Talk is yet another tool and yet another community that you can engage in or participate in. I have not had any huge successes using a TikTok to sell books, 
But what I have done is I've had huge successes in uh, establishing a community of people that I can entertain. And a very small percentage of them have gone on to think, wow, he's entertaining. His books are interesting. I have also invested, instead of in some ads, I've invested in shipping hardcovers, hardcovers, like expensive, beautiful books to book talkers to have them go on and um, and, and, and demonstrate my books or do, or do reviews on it. Now, I haven't gotten to the book talker that has Oprah-like following and suddenly the book becomes a bestseller, but I have sold you know, substantially more because of that. I don't think it's a magic bullet and I don't think any social media is a magic bullet, but I, I would advise to authors. I, I mean, I have fun. We have a great, uh, if you're, if you're listening, we have a great TikTok presence uh, draft to digital uh, where Alyssa and Alexis are doing a lot of really great content and sharing insights and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, and that's just being part of the community. And, and really, it's just another way so we can reach out and connect with authors and even find other authors and go, wow, you're doing something really cool. Uh, so that, that's what I think TikTok's for. What, what do you guys think about it? Well, do you think even old guys like me can can have a place on TikTok? I'm way I older than up, you. I, I yeah. See much oh, yeah. There's lots of us old folks on there. Uh, oh, hey, man, I'm 75 yeah. years old. This is just clean living, okay? <laughs> a hell of a filter. This guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't like TikTok. But... That's my personal preference. I mean, I, I I haven't really been in there enough to kind of dig around and find the book talk side of it. Um, but it's just, it's all personal. It's all what, you know, what are you comfortable with as far as what should you use now in terms of, do I think it's going to be beneficial? Uh, I think, yes, I think that um, there are definitely people on using TikTok who uh, are going to discover books and authors for the first time that way. So, um, you know, whatever. I, I, I have strong opinions about TikTok that I need to just sort of deal with, I guess. But my, my opinion um, on TikTok is simple. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a Chinese data mining uh, collection, you know, service. And because Mark is invested in it, he's going to, he's going to be <clears throat> first in line to be our overlords when China invades. Yeah. So just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's Mark my thought. Save the Canadian arm of the Chinese government. Um, <laughs> all right. So, that's gonna. I think that's gonna have to do us for uh, this week. Um, you know, that was a pretty, uh, pretty good glimpse into the near and distant future of the self-publishing world. And I hope that if you're watching and listening, you got something uh, pretty good out of that you can take with you. Um, and of course, there's more. We've got stuff. Uh, we mentioned our blog post um, for the 2021 review, which has some insights about, you know, how we did things we learned over 2021 that might uh, lend to the conversation a little. I'm going to drop that in the comments. Are we going to uh, link to this article, the written word media as well? And this, uh, yeah, I'll uh, drop that in as Perfect. well. Uh, so if you are listening to this, you, you're you not getting to see these right now, but um, go if you go search for on uh, Draft Digital, the title of the post is, let me read that, 2021, the year of more author reach. And on Written Word Media, uh, if you go to writtenwordmedia.com and go to their blog, it's the top eight publishing trends for 2022. So go ahead and check that out. Let them know we sent you. Um, they're friends. We like them and they like us. So um, all that said, <clears throat> guys, thank you so much for being our Sherpas into the future. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, everyone else, thank you for tuning in. Make sure that you bookmark d2dlive.com where you can get a countdown of these live streams. Uh, we're going to try to start doing these every week. We've been 
pretty good about that so far this month. Uh, so we're going to try to keep that up. And uh, we're we've got some upcoming stuff, including webinars about features on Draft Digital. The first one will actually go live next week. Those are all pre-recorded, but you'll still be able to ask your questions live. And we'll be in the comments lurking uh, just to answer those for you. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube, Facebook, and now TikTok. Uh, if you go to youtube.com slash draft digital or facebook.com slash draft digital, you can like, follow us, subscribe there, click little bells, all those things. I highly to- recommend doing it, guys, because uh, I've heard, I can't say anything, but I've heard there's some crazy cool stuff coming up. Oh, uh, so, draft so digital. There's some big, big, them. crazy cool stuff. I think it's probably up. in your best interest, a listener, viewer, whoever yeah. you are, wherever you are. I don't think we're, we're, Is I don't bigger think than we an NFT? hype that enough. It's bigger. Yeah. It's it, you would say it's niftier than an NFT. That said, all our non-disclosure agreements prevent us from going any further than that. Um, <laughs> but also, make sure you follow us. Uh, just click on over to ddd.tips/tiktok, uh, where you'll find us on TikTok. And that is going to wrap us up for this week's self-publishing insiders. Thank you again, and we'll see you all next time. That's it for this week's self-publishing insiders with Draft to Digital. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with your will-be author friends. And start, build, and grow your own self-publishing career right now at draft2digital.com.